Would you all take your seats, please? And would you open your Bibles to the book of Judges, chapter 2, and let's read from verse 7 to 15. Judges, chapter 2, verses 7 to 15. And I shall read it from the New Living Translation. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him, those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land he had been allocated, at Timnath-Serah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshipping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel, so he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned and the people were in great distress. Shall we just close our eyes for a minute and ask the Lord to speak to us this day? Let's just commit ourselves into the hands of the Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, that you will minister unto us that which you have for us. Give it to us, Lord. Father God, we are a receptive people, Lord Father. And we have come prepared to listen to that which you have for us, Lord. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will minister into each one of us as per our requirements, Lord. Father God, it's you who has created us. And it's you who wants us to continue to be your children, Lord Father. Father, we ask that today you take charge. You take control and you take over, Lord. We commit ourselves into your hands. All glory be to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, in these eight verses that we've just read, we see the tragedy of two generations of Israelites. One was a generation that grew up with Joshua. They had seen the mighty deeds of the Lord. They had experienced victory after victory. The second generation was the generation that followed. They did not know who the Lord was. They did not know what were the mighty deeds that the Lord had done for their people. And as a result, they chose not to honor God, or to obey Him, or to even listen to Him. They experienced, as a result of this, 
they experienced defeat after defeat. The tragedy for the second generation was that they did not know the Lord God of Israel. The tragedy of the first generation was that they forgot to tell their children what the Lord had done for them. The children or the second generation are to be blamed for the way they lived without honoring God. But the parents, that's the first generation, are more to be blamed for letting their children live the way they did. Now let me tell you a true story at this point. Sir Walter Scott, he's a famous uh, author and novelist from Scotland, and when he was on his deathbed, he called out to his son and said, Son, get me the book. Which book? asked the son, knowing that his father had a vast library of different kinds of books. Which one do you want? Son, said Sir Walter Scott, there may be many books in my library, but there is only one, the book. It is the Bible. Bring it to me. The son went, picked up Sir Walter Scott's Bible and brought it to his dad in his deathbed and handed it over to his dad. So Walter Scott took the Bible and returned it to the son. He handed it over to the son and said, Keep this book with you at all times. Read it. Read it again and read it yet again. It will teach you all you need to know of life and living. All other books will give you some information and a little knowledge. But the Bible will give you a lot of knowledge and all the wisdom you need. A few years back, I met a person who had been falsely accused and thrown into a prison in Saudi Arabia. He was telling me of how he kept his sanity when he was in that prison. He was traumatized, he was tortured in that prison, and obviously he couldn't take the Bible into that prison. But every memory verse, or every verse from the Bible that he had memorized in days past, now came into his mind. And he could quote verses on and off. Every time he was tortured, every time he was traumatized, every time he was in difficulty, every time he was going in for depression, the words of God which were embedded in his mind, they came out. He might have been denied the use of the Bible, but no one could stop him from quoting the verses that he had memorized. And those verses, memorized over time, memorized from childhood, kept him sane in that prison. That is the power of God's word. Today I have titled this message, Living by the Word. Living by the Word. Now frankly, this is not the message I intended for today. Sitting in India over the last one month, I had another message that I was preparing. 
And I said, that's the message I'm going to give when I come back on the 31st. I knew I had to share the word. I said, that's the message. But as I was trying to type it out yesterday, I had the bits and pieces of my notes, but as I was trying to type it out yesterday, the Holy Spirit reminded me that there would be a sizable number of young people and teenagers in church today, because our Friday school is still off. And the Holy Spirit reminded me that the younger generation should not be lost because of the failings of the older generation. I'm on the other side of 50, so I do belong to the older generation. And so the Holy Spirit clearly impressed upon my mind that the younger generation should not be lost because of the failings of an older generation. And this message is the result of that intervention by the Holy Spirit. And so, as starters, you know, when we go to restaurants, we go for starters. Right? Am I right? Okay, so we start with starters. So, as starters, here are a couple of questions to our teenagers. Are there teenagers here? Put up your hands if you're, te- if you're a teenager. Any bit, anybody between the age of, not like that, like that. Anybody between 30 and 99? Okay, anybody thir- between 13 and 19? Okay, these are questions for you. How many of you want to be prosperous in whatever you do? You don't need to look at the next person to decide whether you want to be prosperous. Okay. That's good. How many of you want to be successful in whatever you do? Okay, that's good. Okay. Now let me repeat that question to the rest of us at this congregation. Okay, now I'm talking to not the teenagers, but to the rest of the congregation. How many of you want to be prosperous in whatever you do? Okay, and how many of you want to be successful in whatever you do? Right, that's good. So this message is not just for the teenagers or the children, but for all of us gathered here this afternoon. Because I was getting the feeling that the minute I said that this message was uh, impressed upon my heart by the Holy Spirit, because there are children sitting here, the older people went, wow, this is not for us today. Okay, no, this is not a relaxation time. This is for every one of us. So shall we turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. And let's read verses 1 to 8. Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, The time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. 
For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So for all of us who want to be prosperous and successful, the instruction is very clear. It's verse 8. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 where it says, Study this book of instruction continually. Study this book of instruction continually. Who does not know the meaning of the word continually? So everybody knows what continually means. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Meditate on it day and night, so that you will be sure to obey. These are the key words, to obey everything written in it. And only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. All of us have said, or most of us have said, that we want to be successful. Most of us have said, we want to prosper. The answer is simple. Read God's word. Sir Walter Scott knew it. He was a literary genius. He's written classics. Ivanhoe is, is one of his books. Yet he knew that the only way to succeed, the only way to prosper, is there in the Bible. And that's the message he passed on to his son. And that's the message we all need to take home. And so today we are going to take some time to see how to study the word of God and thus live by the word of God. It's not enough just to study the word of God, but we need to apply it. That's wisdom. Just studying the word of God is knowledge. But applying it in our lives is wisdom. And so we've got to learn how to study the word of God and then apply it in our life. Because the book, God's book, the Bible, is a book of knowledge, it's a book of instruction, it's a book of wisdom. It's a practical book. Now as I said, I'm on the other side of 50. And I learned this late in life. I wish... I had the sense, not that people have not tried to teach me, but you see at some stage we are a little thick-headed. Okay, I wish I knew this truth 
much earlier in life. But it's never too late. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. So don't worry about yesterday. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Start today. No problems. So let's start with some foundational truths. Okay? These are unchangeable truths. These are not open to discussion. These are unchangeable. Number one, the Bible is the word of God. You've got to take that for granted. If you're going to question that, that's the start of the problem number one. Okay? You've got to take it clearly that the Bible is the word of God. Second Timothy chapter 3, the first part of verse 16 says this, All scripture is inspired by God. That's in the New Living Translation. All scripture is inspired by God. The NIV states it, All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. Exodus chapter 31 verse 18 says this, When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, He gave him two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. You see, it is God himself who has written certain things. And then, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, it says this, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So clearly, in just these three verses, we see that the Bible is the word of God. And if you wish to do a study, as the Berians often did, they went and re-looked the scriptures. Go and re-look your scriptures. You will find that there are many more verses which will tell you that the Bible is the word of God. Spoken directly, spoken through men of God. Men chosen by God. So that's number one. Foundational truth. The Bible is the word of God. There's no argument on this. Number two. The word of God can never be destroyed. The word of God can never be destroyed. Matthew 24 verse 35. The words of Jesus. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. And to reaffirm this statement, the same statement is quoted in Mark 13.31 and Luke 21.33. The same statement. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Okay, or as it is quoted in one of the versions, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. In other words, the word of God cannot be destroyed. Over centuries, people have tried to destroy the word of God. Over centuries, people have tried to defame the word of God. 
over centuries, people have tried to discredit the word of God. All those who have tried all these things have disappeared. But the word of God exists. You and I, we have a finite lifespan. At some point of time, we will go to our heavenly homes. The word of God will remain. That is not going to go. That is not going to disappear. Nothing is going to make the word of God disappear. Okay, that is the power. That is the eternity of the word of God. Number three, there is power in the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 states this. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. If you have ever doubted that there is power in the word of God, the word of God tells us that God's, God can discern and through the word, your thoughts can be discerned. Your doubts can be discerned. Your cynicism can be discerned. Your statements of sarcasm can be discerned. That's the power of the word of God. Satan could not talk against the word of God. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 But Jesus answered and said It is written Man shall not live by bread alone But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God The argument which Jesus took to Satan At the end of his period of temptation Was it is written Verse 7 Matthew 4 Jesus said to the devil, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil came at him the third time, in verse 10, Jesus said this, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And in verse 11, it tells us, Then the devil left him, and angels came and ministered unto Jesus. The devil could not undo the word of God. You see, there is that much power. You and I hold it in our hands today. Are we using it? Big question. An oft-repeated statement that many of us have either heard or even uttered is this. Is the Bible relevant today? In this technology-driven world, where everything is so deceptively technology-oriented, where so much of doubt is cast on the person of Jesus, on the authority of the Word of God, on the authenticity of the Word of God, that question still reverberates all over the world. Is the Bible relevant today? When I was in India, the, the news came that uh, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court has decreed that every state in the United States has equal 
gay laws, marriage laws for gays and for others. Does the Bible approve of that? Does the Bible approve of gay marriages? The issue is, people say the Bible is irrelevant. The Bible has no relevance in today's living. The Bible was written 2,000 years back, 4,000 years back, and therefore cannot be applied in today's changing scenario. Take it from me. Look around. Experience it in your own life. All that is plain rubbish, as Paul has said. All that is dung. The fact of the matter simply is that the Bible is as relevant today as it was many centuries back. And years later, after more theories have come and gone, the Bible will continue to be relevant. That is not going to change. Okay? But let me give you some statistics. The fourth most printed and sold book in the world is the Guinness Book of World Records. 90 million copies. The third most printed and sold book is the American Spelling Bee, now called the Webster's Dictionary. 100 million copies. The second most printed and sold book, and I was surprised to read this, is the little red book, Quotations from Chairman Mao. Okay, that is the second most printed and sold book. 900 million copies. The Webster's Dictionary is 100 million copies. Chairman Mao's statements, 900 million copies. The first or topmost printed and sold book is the Bible. Six. <laughs> Chairman Mao's book, 900 million copies. The Bible, six billion copies. These are statistics which are available on authorized websites. So you can want to check it up, you can check it up. Okay? It's not either, I'm not making them up. Now, the Bible is the only book translated and written into more than 345 languages. The full Bible. No other book. Tales of Narnia is not translated into 345 books. Harry Potter has not been translated in 345 books, uh, languages. Okay. In his Blighton has not been translated into 345. Okay, and whatever other books have not been translated into 345 different languages. Now, portions of the Word of God have been translated and written into 2,100 different languages. No other book ever comes close to this. You might read that the Bible is not relevant today. How come people are buying it? Because there's a huge lot of people who might not say this, but they know in their heart of hearts that the only relevant book is the Bible. How many of you have read the book called, or at least seen the book called, uh, How to Make Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie? Okay, I, I liked reading that book when I was a kid. Okay, I got that as a present and 
I said, this is good, because it's very nice. But how many of you also know that he committed suicide after depression? The book he wrote, How to Make Friends and Influence People. Dale Carnegie committed suicide after battling depression. And yet Dale Carnegie's book is still a big bestseller. There is another bestseller, The Joy of Jogging. It's written by a doctor. He died while jogging. <laughs> there are thousands of books, millions of books, with all kinds of philosophies. Okay? They won't last time. Albert Einstein's theories are being questioned and disproved right now. Maybe about 100 years later, somebody will disprove the disproving today. Okay? But no one, over time, has been able to disprove anything in the Word of God. Therefore, is the Bible relevant today? My answer is a resounding yes, 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 yes. Why four yes? Yes yesterday, yes today, yes tomorrow, and yes forever. That's the word of God. So as I kept meditating and asking God for some practical guidance, or God's guidance in preparing this message, remember it started only yesterday, I kept asking God for some practical steps. I said, the theory is all fine. Okay, almost everybody knows this theory. I don't need to talk about it. But what are the practical steps that we can take to study the Word of God? And I got these six particular points. Okay, seven points. Number one, as to what we should do to study the Word of God. Number one is relax. Okay, when you study the Word of God, don't get stressed out. Relax. And the first thing you need to do to relax... What is it? Switch off your mobile. Switch it off. You are listening to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I went to an office in, in Coimbatore. Uh, that's the place I come from during my holiday. I went there and I had to meet a particular person high up in the ranks. And I was uh, waiting in the waiting room and then the, a person came and called me and said, uh, so-and-so is ready to meet you now. Then he looked at me and said, do you have a mobile? I said, yes, I have a mobile. He said, switch it off, leave it here. Okay, I, he said, switch it off, leave it here. And then he probably thought that I doubted whether I should leave it there. He said, at least switch it off. So I switched it off. I did that for a man at my level. God did not make man higher than me. God did not make woman higher than me. God did not make man lower than me. God did not make woman lower than me. So all of us are at the same level. Okay, our qualifications may be different. Our, our, uh, you know, our jobs may be different. But we are all equal in God's sight. To that man, I switched off my phone. Because I wanted an audience with him. And yet when we go into the presence of God, your phone is on, your mobile is on. 
I mean, this is hypocrisy. Okay, you may tell me that your Bible is on your phone. Great. Because you can have different versions. Keep your phone on. But your phone... So I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not an absolute idiot. Huh? Uh, your phone has one particular feature called the airline mode. Put it on the airline mode. Which means no message can come in, no phone can come in. You can still use your phone to, take, to study your Bible, to read whatever you want, to take notes. But your communications link with the outside world is cut. Do something. But relax in the presence of God. Turn off the phone, your, your landline, if you've, got, if you've got one. Take it off the hook. Okay, switch off stuff that you want to switch off. Switch off things that will disturb you. Number one is relax. Because in Psalms verse 46, chapter 46, verse 10, it is written, Be still and know that I am God. Focus your mind on Him. Calm down. Relax in His presence. Recognize His presence. Just focus your thoughts on God. Talk to Him. Relax if you wish by listening to godly music. Music that praises God. Music that glorifies God. Music through which you can worship God. You can do that. But be careful what kind of music you listen to. It's got to be music that glorifies God. It's got to be music that praises God. It's got to be a kind of music where you can worship God. Now I'm not going to go into the semantics of the different types of music that is available. Okay, that is a constant uh, battle between children and parents. And I will let parents deal with that with their children. But all I'm telling you is, the music that you must have should be music that glorifies God. And le Okay, let me rephrase that. The music that you have must glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. It must praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now why do I say this one? Because every religion has God. And if you have music that just says God... You don't know which God that singer is talking about. But we have Jesus Christ. So be careful. Words are deceptive. Words can trap people. Okay, so we need to be careful. But if you, if you feel that you could relax with music which praises the living God, that glorifies the living God, use it, please. Okay? Remember that in whatever you do, be, be it staying, staying still in His presence or ushering in the presence of God through music, your thoughts, your focus must be on the living God. That's number one, relax. Number two, read. Number two, read. It is often said, it is better to start by reading the Bible than it is to start by praying. Okay, I need to explain this one so that I am not misunderstood. Okay? It is better to start by reading the Bible than it is to start in prayer. 
The explanation is this. It is more important for you to hear from God than for God to hear from you. Why? Because God already knows all about you. But you need to know a lot more about Him. See, you and I need to know a lot more about Him. For it's better we let God speak to us. And God speaks to us through His Word. Read the Word. So step number two. Number one is relax. Step number two is read. Spend time reading the Word of God. Read the Bible for quality, not quantity. Many years back, I used to proudly state that I have read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation twice. And that's a fact. Did I understand anything that I read? No. And that's also a fact. Okay, but I have read the Bible cover to cover twice without understanding it. Okay, I did it because that's quantity. I could add it to my CV that I've read the Bible twice. Okay, but that's not reading the Bible. Read it for quality. It's good to have a goal to read the Bible through in a year, or whatever, or a similar goal, but that's not the purpose of your wanting to study the Word, word of God. Your objective is to know Him and to know Him better. That should be your objective. Okay, some of you may think, am I going to tell you a plan of how to read the Bible? No, I'm not going to give you a plan. Okay, that's, you could have a, a sequential plan, you could have a thematic plan, you could have a, a plan worked out, a daily reading plan given by uh, an organization, that's perfectly fine. Or any plan that you're going to be using is fine, stick to it, read it for quality, not for quantity. Okay? In Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, we read this. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. So that's what the Lord says. God is interested in you and me knowing Him, understanding Him, understanding the will of God, understanding the plans of God. God wants to talk to you and to me. You see, when God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, He was on His way to destroy these two cities when He stopped and said, Wait a minute! How can I do this without talking to my friend Abraham? And so He went and spoke to Abraham and said, I'm on my way to destroy. Now why should God do that? And does God have to tell man His, his own creation? Does He have to tell him? But no, that's our God. Our God is a relationship-oriented God. God walked to the Garden of Eden looking for Adam and Eve. Every day He came looking for them, talking to them. You and I are actually more privileged than God in one respect. You have so many people to talk to. 
God longs to talk to people. Nobody wants to talk to him. How much time did you talk to God today? How much time did you talk to your spouse? Or your parents? Or your children? Or even the guy in the supermarket? You probably spend more time talking to him about the price of potato than talking to God. God wants to talk to you and to me. Read the word of God. See, understand God. And that's why we need to read. Number one, relax. Number two, read. Number three, reflect. Reflect or meditate on the word of God. Remember I told you reading should be quality reading. It's not quantity reading. It's not reading, no speed reading. eh? When you're reading the Bible, no speed reading. Some of you might have read the story of John F. Kennedy. Uh, when he became president, there was a, there was a, you know, a write-up about him, which stated uh, that we now have a president who, who can read at 1,000 words a minute, because he has taken a speed-reading course. Okay, so people were impressed. Oh, we have an educated president. We have a president who can read very well. But the fact of the matter is, John F. Kennedy never went for any speed reading course. Okay. John F. Kennedy could not actually read fast. Okay. He called his press reporter and said, I need to impress people. What's the average speeding read? Uh, uh, you know, rate of uh, reading. So his press reporter told him it's approximately 800 words per minute. So John F. Kennedy said, no, 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 make a thousand for me. I need to impress people. And so the press brought it out. They just wrote, you know, press can write anything. And so they wrote. John of Kennedy speed reads a thousand words a minute. And that became a, the story there. You see, but when we read the Bible, it's not speed reading. It's quality reading. Take time to let that word work in you. How many of you know the cow? C-O-W, cow. The animal, cow. Oh, okay. Somebody knows the cow. Two people know the cow. So let me tell you a little biology here. When the cow eats, it chews, and it doesn't look very nice, you know. goes chewing, chewing, chewing. And then the half-chewed food goes into the stomach. The stomach is divided into four parts in in a cow. It goes into the first part of the stomach. And then, at regular intervals the cow can actually bring up, regurgitate the half-chewed food back into its mouth and it continues to chew. And then it goes down. This is called chewing the cud. And it's a feature of four-legged beasts. The example is the cow. That's what we need to do with the word of God. We need to chew the cud. We need to read. Let it go into us. Bring it out again. Think more about that. Talk to God about it. Let it go back into us. Bring it out again after some time. See, that is to reflect on the word of God. Okay. Now, reflection is a very common word that you use in uh, today's world. Every year at the end of our uh, teaching sessions... My head of department calls me and says, uh, calls the staff 
uh, and then tells all of us, now I want all of you to write a report on your reflection of the year. I have refused to write that reflection. Okay, but you see, that's the, that's, the, that's the word. Reflect on what you have done over the past year. Think about what you have done so that you can get better for the next year. But now we are talking about reflect the word of God. Because we all know what to do out in the secular world. But we seem to forgotten that we need to do that with the word of God. Reflect on the word of God. Ask yourself some questions. Is there a command to obey in what God has spoken to me today? In the portion that I have read, is there a command to obey? Is there a promise that I can claim? Is there a sin that I should avoid? Is there a lesson to learn? Is there a new truth that will carry me forward? You see, King David put the need to meditate on the word of God beautifully in Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You see, this is what King David said about meditation or reflection. Okay, so we need to be able to chew the cut as we read the Bible. Number four, record. Record or write down what God has spoken to you. It doesn't have to be flowery because you're not writing an article for, for publication or you're not writing an article to impress other people. But rather, you are just writing down what God is telling you for your own encouragement, for your own promotion in life. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 2, God tells this to the prophet, Write in a book all the words I have spoken to you. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, God again tells the prophet Habakkuk, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets. So that a herald may run with it. Write down. Do not assume that you have a photographic memory. And therefore you do not need to record God's instructions to you. When God speaks to you, write it down. Go back to it later. Look at it. Those are God's instructions to you. When we are in our offices... And our boss comes and says, I need to have this thing done by tomorrow. Immediately we take a pen, a paper or whatever we have and we note it down. Why? Because the boss has said, get it done by tomorrow. And yet when the big boss says, do this, I don't need to write it down. Because the big boss is going to forget about it. No, the big boss doesn't forget. The big boss has got a phenomenal memory. And he remembers every instruction that he has given to them. Seven billion people that are there on this earth. Okay, so better write down. God has told his prophets, write down what I tell you. 
Okay. So write down. When God tells you something, when God speaks to you, write it down. And then act on it. Number five. Request. Now this is where you come in with your prayer. Okay, so your prayer is not your first thing that you do, but there are things that you do before that. You relax yourself, you read from the word of God, you, uh, you, you reflect on the word of God, you record what God is trying to tell you, and then you speak to God. You request. Okay, request God to lead you in your walk, in your talk for that day. Pray to him about your day. And you can pray to him on every issue. Do you have to take a major decision? Talk to him. Do you have to take a minor decision? Talk to him. Don't pick the phone. Go to the throne. Okay. You come to any one of us for pieces of advice. Our pieces of advice are biased. Because our thinkings are biased. We look at it only from one perspective. A perspective that I know of. I can talk about it. You go to somebody else, that person will talk to you on the same thing from that person's perspective. It is a biased opinion. Not intentionally giving you wrong information, but giving you information with a little knowledge that we have. Go to God. God is all-seeing. God knows the end from the beginning. We quote all these things. We speak about this all the time. Yet when it comes to having a problem, we don't take it to God. We take it everywhere else. And if you don't want to speak about it, you put it on WhatsApp. Okay? No. Unfortunately, nobody told God that he needs to have a smartphone with WhatsApp. He doesn't have it. Okay, so the only way you can get to him, talk to him, request him, speak directly to him. In Second Samuel chapter 5 verse 19, we have this classical conversation between David and God. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead, I will certainly hand them over to you. So before David went to war, he asked the Lord, do I need to do it or not? And not just going to war, will you hand them over to me? I mean, I'm not just going to war because you say go to war. I want to know the result. Will you hand them over to me? And God says, yes, I will hand them over to you. Go. David went. God handed over the enemy to David. See, that's the way prayer works with God, when you talk to God. But before you come to prayer, there are steps before that, which includes reading and reflecting on the word of God. Okay, that's, it's, the prayer comes after that, the requisition stage comes after that. So make sure we do the prerequisites before we come to the request stage. And then, number six is respond. Respond to God by being obedient to his word. Throughout the Bible we read of so many instances where God has promised to bless his children with every possible blessing. The only thing he requires in response is obedience. The only thing God has asked of you and me is obedience. Go through the Bible. 
The only thing God wants from you and me is obedience to his word. If you and I are obedient to his word, he will open out the, the storerooms from heaven and pour it out on us. But the only thing that we need to do is be obedient to his word. Go home and read Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 to 14. That's all about God's blessings for you and me. Stop with verse 14, eh? because 15 onwards it's curses. No, we don't want that. But in order to get verses 1 to 14, what do we do? Verse 1 says this. Diligently obey the voice of the Lord. Diligently. Okay, not casually. Diligently obey the voice of the Lord. And in verse 13, the Lord promises to make you the head, not the tail. You shall be above and not beneath. And usually we stop there. But it doesn't stop there. Because it says, if you listen and obey the commandments of the Lord. Here you have it. If you listen to these commandments of the Lord your God that I am giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, then the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Now many of us are tails. Many of us are right at the bottom of the totem pole. But we all desire to be at the top of the totem pole. God says, yes, I will put you right there. If you obey my voice. Somebody said that the two most terrible words of the English language, and we have some English professors here, are number one, if, and number two, but. Because these are conditional. You see, they make you, there is a condition for you to follow. And therefore, respond to the word of God. And when you respond, obey, because that's the only thing that is required of us. Finally, number seven, relate. Share with others what God has been talking to you. No, that's not gossip. I'm not talking, saying go and go gossip all over the place. Talk to others what God has been speaking to you. Don't talk to others what other people have been speaking to you. Other people have been telling you their problems, don't go and pass that on. But what God has been teaching you, what God has been teaching me, it's our duty to share it to others, to relate it to others. You never know which person is waiting for that one word. That one word, that one sentence, that one phrase you use may make a huge difference in the life of somebody. God has spoken to you, share that word. Share that enlightenment with somebody else. I've used this example before, but it's appropriate, I'll quote it again. You all know the River Jordan and the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Okay, now the River Jordan feeds both these seas. 
The waters of the river Jordan drain into the Sea of Galilee. The waters of river Jordan also drain into the Dead Sea. But both these seas, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, are opposite in character. The Sea of Galilee is a living sea. It's filled with fish. People who live on the shores of the Sea of Galilee make their livelihood from fishing. There is life in the Sea of Galilee. But nothing lives in the Dead Sea. It's a salty sea. No fish lives there. And nobody can make a living out of anything from the Dead Sea. Why is this? The Sea of Galilee is first filled by the River Jordan and then it lets it out. It has tributaries which drain out. And then they continue on to the Dead Sea. But the Dead Sea does not let out anything. So the Dead Sea receives the waters from the River Jordan and keeps it. It doesn't let it out. So the Dead Sea receives and receives and receives but doesn't give it out. And as a result of that, it has become a stinky sea. The Sea of Galilee on the other side receives, gives out. Receives, gives out. It's filled, it pours out. You and I need to be like the Sea of Galilee. God speaks to us. God teaches us. We receive from God. Don't keep it to yourself. You'll become the Dead Sea. You'll become useless. Pass it on. Share it with somebody. Be a channel of blessings. You are not meant to be a reservoir. You are meant to be a channel of blessing. God never meant any one of us to be reservoirs where we collect and collect and collect and collect and one day we burst. Okay, God meant us to be those who will get the waters and pass it on. The living waters of God, they come into us, but we don't keep it. We give it out to somebody else. There is somebody who needs that word. Pass it on. Let me end with this story. The engine of a giant ship had failed. The ship owners called one expert after another, but none of them could figure out how to fix the engine. Finally, the ship owners brought an old man who had been working on ships, who had been repairing ships since he was a youngster. And when he came, this old man, he carried with him a bag of tools and immediately went to work. He inspected the engines carefully, as the experts did. And two of the ship's owners were there watching over him, watching what he was doing. What was it that this guy could do that the experts couldn't do? Now he went all over the place, listened to different things, looked at different things, and finally he reached a place where he took out, he opened his bag, took a little hammer out, and tapped something. The ship's engines came to life. Okay, they started working. The ship was fixed. The old man packed his tools and they went and he went away. A week later, he sent a bill to the ship owners for $10,000. The ship owners were aghast. They said, $10,000, what did that guy come and do? And they, they sent a note back to him stating, this is too much, give us an itemized bill. So he sent them 
a bill that read, tapping with a hammer, two dollars. Knowing where to tap, 9,998. <laughs> you see, effort is important in, the life, in life for all of us. But knowing to tap, where, knowing where to tap, makes a difference. You and I have the word of God with us. In fact, many of us have it in different languages, in different versions. Question, how often do we tap into it? Do we know that we have to tap into it? All the answers to all of life's problems are in it. All we need to do is tap into the word of God. All you need to do to hear the voice of God is to tap into the word of God. Shall we pray? Studying the word of God and living it out. It's not just studying, it's living. Relax. Read. Reflect. Record. Request, respond, relate. Study God's word. And as you study God's word, and as you put into practice, you will live life fully, prosperously and successfully. Just talk to God. Tell Him that that's what you want to do. You want to find time to study the word of God. You want to find time to tap into the word of God. Talk to him. Go ahead and ask God to give you the grace. He has packaged his mind and solution to your issue in his word. But God will not read the word for you. It is your responsibility. But do you take time to read it? In Jesus' name we have prayed. Quickly, I want to, the next minute, as one of God was ministering, and all this will make me to know, I should just share this with you. Some valuable principle that God has helped me to discover in His Word, and I use it to drive my life. And it's in Psalm 119 verse 72. Because of time. Well let's just read some of them. Psalm 119 verse 72. In New Living Translation good. Say your instruction. We have it on the screen. And by the way if you are still a Christian. That only stick to one version of the Bible. You are a baby. You must compare what? Scriptures, translations, then you have better understanding. They say, your instructions are more valuable to me than real, than millions of dollars. Do you see it? But is that truly your situation? If it is, why do you leave your house without studying the word of God? Because you are going to job to hand dollars. To the psalmist says, your words are more valuable. I place more value on your word 
than millions of gold and silver. Now, verse 103. The same chapter. 103. 11103. Say, how sweet are your words taste to me? They are sweeter than honey. You see your breakfast there? But is that how you value the word of God? Do you see it as if I have not read my Bible, I have not studied it, no breakfast for me? That's what we are saying. Let's place more value. No matter any challenge you could ever face in life, the solution is in the word of God. But you know our problem? We are lazy to discover it. And he said, until you find it, your expectation will remain unmet. But so when you find that secret that is hid in the word of God, so your expectation shall not be cut off. Let's be on our feet. I believe God has spoken to us this morning. He said, for you to be successful, brother Joshua, you must study the word. Study to show thyself. Approve. That's what he said in Timothy. Paul said. But when he was talking to Joshua to give him confidence, he said, you want to be successful, you must study this word day and night. It must be your breakfast and your dinner. And you even use it for your lunch. I pray the Lord will give us the grace to truly eat his word. Jeremiah said, I found your word and I ate it. It was sweet to my belly. The Lord will baptize us afresh with the spirit of study and not just reading the word of God. So that will become what he wants us to become in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. When you read Psalm 1 verse 9, it says something. Let me read it for you. See, how can a young man stay pure? How? By obeying the word of God. You know what that means? Your battle against sin is only winnable when you study and obey the word of God. But you don't study the word. How will you be able to live above sin? You say, I'm not holy. I'm trying. I'm just falling. Do you take time to study? And by the way, nobody will do it for you. Pastor can never study for you. Let me tell you this. Only probably 10% of the word you hear here will have impact on you. The remaining 90%, if you want the word that will change your life, are the one you discover yourself, you see it yourself in the world. 90%. But you will find time to study. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Now while you are still in that meditation, by tomorrow we are going to the month of August. I will teach you this. I'm going to give you time to pray for two minutes. And what will be your prayer? God told Ezekiel, son of man, can this bone live? Say yes, God, I don't know, but only you know. But God said, prophesy concerning this, prophesy to this bone. 
And the Bible says, Ezekiel said, As I prophesied, as he instructed me, I saw a mighty army coming up. What is that expectation you have from God concerning August? August is my birthday. And you know what I've done? I've told God, I'm still telling him, it's my month of change, my month of promotion, my month of, month of moving to the next level. So I don't know what is your expectation for the month of August. Please go ahead and tell him. Call the month of August the answer to your solution, to your question. What is that thing you are trusting God for? Say, Lord, this month of August, it must not pass without me changing level. It is my own birthday, so I am expecting God to increase me on every side. I cannot afford to still be stagnant. I have told God, God, in that month, my promotion must be approved. My next level must be approved. My change of level must be sanctioned. What do you expect from God for that month? Please don't let this hour pass you by. In a couple of hours, you will be in August. And you will be faced with a whole 31 days. You can determine how that 31 days will be now. Cry unto God, what is your expectation? For you, for your family, for the month of August. Prophesy concerning that month and declare a month of joy for you and your household. A month of healing. A month of change of level. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And so I agree with you by the word of God. That in that you have prophesied concerning the month of August, every desire of your heart is declared granted in the name of Jesus. You will go through that month triumphantly in the name of Jesus. You and your household I declared a month of celebration, a month of rejoicing, a month of change of level, a month of promotion, a month of healing in the name of Jesus. I declare your month that you will study the word of God like never before. And you will reap the reward of the study. In the name of Jesus. As you obey the word of God. You will reap the reward. In the name of Jesus. Go in peace in the name of Jesus. And return back with testimonies. In Jesus mighty name we have prayed. Let's share the grace of God and fellowship. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Holiness and peace. God bless you, and go in peace.